this is Sydney Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth, and I'm going to be doing another songbird in my songbird series, and this is the American Robin. This is Randy, and I'm going to be starting a new series, which is the Beach Party Movie Series, and today I'm going to cover the first Beach Party Movie, Gidget. This is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about whether autumn or spring are colder. Well, that's interesting, and Cole sounds just a little bit different today because he is calling in um, to the podcast. I am practicing social distancing. That's right. That's right, from his other location, so (laughs) hopefully it'll come across okay. Yep, from my second house. (laughs) That's right. I'm in Malibu right now. Yeah, you wish. Yeah. Yeah, that would be appropriate for my beach party movie theme. That's true. Yeah, I just happen to be having a beach party right now. So we are enjoying a wonderful day today. Today is Mother's Day. So although this will be released nearer to Memorial Day, we hope you had a very happy Mother's Day and, and have enjoyed spending time with your family today. What other holiday happenings do we have for the week? Well, it is a beautiful day today. I might be uh, shooting myself here in the foot in terms of my topic on uh, which one is colder and which one is warmer, but it is warm enough that I could be out here in shorts. I've got my grill on right now, so that's what I'm doing while calling in. So if you hear any dinging or metal or sizzling noises... That's the explanation for that. <laughs> Dinging or metal or clanging or, or sizzling. sizzling. Yep. <laughs> and just to just to give a little comparison, I went out for a walk today. I'm in jeans and a cardigan, so <laughs> two very different body temperatures. But I still think it's a, a wonderful day. So only and only ten day. miles apart. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. Now we did have a unseasonably cold snap this past late week. We had a polar vortex pushing cold air down so even though it was the uh what second weekend in may it was extremely cold the high yesterday for a high for us was 48 and that was probably i don't know 20 degrees lower than a normal high 20 25 degrees normal normal high so it was pretty cold yesterday it's starting to, to warm up this week though and uh we had fun this morning even though cole couldn't be with us we were able to I'll do some fun stuff for Beth for Mother's Day. Sydney made waffles for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yum. Thank you. Yeah. And Dad and I decorated. It was so adorable. Mm-hmm. Yep, we put balloons out and um, Sydney had gotten some fun banners and um, things like that. And then uh, we will do Beth's gifts, Mother's Day gifts, because we do some gifts from the kids. And, and uh, we'll do that after the podcast today. So that'll be very fun. Wonderful. I'm all in. And hopefully the birds will be chirping while you're <laughs> opening your gifts later. They probably will be because they uh, tend to chirp out there right now. Yes, they do. So my next bird that I'm going to be talking about is the American robin. And I always grew up calling it a red robin. And that now, is, this is this is your fourth bird in your series? Is that Yes, true? that's right. Um, we did the tufted titmouse, the chickadee. And the American goldfinch last week. The American goldfinch, which was the yellow one, and now we're doing the red-breasted robin. The American robin is, is what you're supposed to call it. The American robin is a larger songbird that's about 10 inches long, 
They have reddish bellies, which is the red-breasted, where that comes from, brownish-grayish backs, yellow beaks, black heads, and it ha there are white outlines around the eyes. The males and females look similar, but the male robin's colors are much brighter. The females' colors are more muted and more blended, so they're a little less, it's a less striking characteristic. It is the state bird of Connecticut, Michigan, and Wisconsin. It's a very familiar bird over most of North America, and you often see them running and hopping on lawns with a little upright stance. And I was just thinking that at my office, before we went into quarantine, there were all kinds of robins out on the lawn. I have a big um, window right next to my desk, and I would just sit and watch them while working, of course. But I would watch these, and they were so neat, and a lot of them were together. There were a lot that came together. But you often see a red robin depicted as pulling an earthworm out of the ground. Right. There's a lot of, like, even coloring books and things like that. That's the, often what you uh, think of, and it's accurate. That is one of the things they do. They hop around all over your yard doing that. You can often see them nesting on porches and windowsills. The cheery song is among the earliest bird songs heard at dawn in the spring and summer, often just beginning before the first light. In the fall and winter, robins may gather by the hundreds in roaming flocks, concentrating at food sources. That so that's why they're called the, uh, the early birds then. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Good point. The early bird gets the worm and starts chirping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because that's usually, um, I think, in pictures where, like, you know, if it was to say the quote and then have, like, a little clip art or something, it's usually a robin that right. yep. is pulling it up. That's right. With the early bird getting the worm. Yeah, it's kind of the, yeah. like the, the classic bird figure. It is. The classic yeah. American bird. Yep. Right. It's a... Uh, Robins, baseball, and apple pie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the American robin can fly 20 to 35 miles per hour, depending on the weather conditions and the type of flight they're using, which I thought was interesting. When migrating and flying at higher altitudes for longer distances, their flight tends to be faster. The American robin is popular in modern culture and is often featured on winter holiday cards. I saw this in the research. I think I see the cardinal more than the robin. I think the cardinal tends to be the one that's most featured on the, on um, holiday cards. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, well, I, I think it's very striking against the snow, yeah. usually. Right, exactly. And the robin has also been the subject of song, including the hits Rockin' Robin, which we still know today, but it was actually released in 1958. Mm -hmm. Maybe Gidget, maybe that's in the Gidget movie, I don't know. Uh, Gidget was released in 1959, and no, it was not. Yeah. But it was right around that time frame. It could frame. have been, though. Right. And then, when the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along. Now, I can, when you say rock and robin, I can immediately Me, start yes. singing it in my head. The red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along. I know that, that song, but I can't bring the tune up immediately. But it was released in 1926. I think in the case of um, the first one. Rock and robin? Yeah. It has been in other movies and yes. TV shows mm -hmm. that we grew up with, either like things like Happy Days or movies from that period. Yes. And I, I think it's been released more often, yes. too. Mm -hmm. Other people have also released it. Yes. It's, such a, it's such a catchy, fun song right. that I remember in college, I worked at a preschool, and they would play it for the preschoolers to just little bop all over the place. Yep. <laughs> Rock and Robin, so that was funny. 
Robins live all throughout North America. They live in cities, towns, lawns, farmland, forests. In winter, they look for berry-bearing trees. Over most of the continent, robins summer wherever there are trees for nest sites and mud for the nest materials. In the winter, they flock, as said before, around wooded areas where the trees or shrubs have good crops of berries. Now, I always thought that the robin migrated because I always heard growing up the robin was the first sign of spring. Right. When you see robins out there, it's a sign of spring. Yeah, it kind of seemed like either they migrated or hibernated, which birds don't hibernate. So. <laughs> <laughs> Migrating is probably more yeah, common. Right. So, although they're considered harbingers of spring, many American robins spend the whole winter in the breeding range. But because they spend more time roosting in trees and less time in your yard, you're much less likely to see them. The number of robins present in the northern parts of the range varies each year with local conditions. So when the snow cover is high, making food difficult to find, the robins move further south. When the snow cover is low and food is more readily available, they seem to overwinter in the northern locales in higher numbers. Or if you're like our robins, you hang out in the winter with us because dad puts out a bunch of food and... They become chubby robins. That's right. And they have plenty of food to work with. Yes. I'm bringing up the diet next, but that is something I had that the species often comes to bird feeders. Yeah. And we know that to be true. The robin is an omnivorous bird that eats a wide variety of different foods. And it forages on the ground, hopping around, which is the classic thought of how a robin behaves, hopping along on the lawn. And often it cocks its head and... They don't find the earthworms by hearing them. Apparently it's by sight, which I found interesting because they cock their little heads and it looks like they're listening for something, right? But mm -hmm. I guess that's just us putting human characteristics on an animal. So when they are not nesting, they usually forage in flocks. When they're nesting, not so much. They eat earthworms, which we've talked about. They eat insects and berries. In the early summer, insects make up the majority of their diet as well as earthworms, snails, spiders, and other invertebrates. Again, loving these robins. They feed heavily on fruit, especially in the winter. So fruit accounts for about 60% of their year-round diet, mainly wild berries and also some cultivated fruits. Young are fed mostly on insects and earthworms, which I found interesting. And this is a little funny fact. So robins eat a lot of fruit in the fall and winter, as I just said. When they eat honeysuckle berries exclusively, they sometimes become intoxicated. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> no, I would have loved to have been the researcher to find that information out. <laughs> like, like, is this a sobriety test? Like, is it is it able to walk straight? Like, how do you even tell? So, anyway, I thought that was Maybe really funny. Maybe that's where the rockin' part of rockin' that's robin right, came rockin from. That's right, rockin' robin. That was in the honeysuckle berry fields. <laughs> Sadly, because the robin does forage largely on the lawns, it is vulnerable to pesticide poisoning and can be an indicator of chemical pollution. So that's a kind of sad part of that. So just be aware as you're putting chemicals in your ground if you want robins and songbirds to be around, not to too heavily um, put chemicals on the lawn. For nesting, the males arrive before the females on the nesting grounds, and they defend their territories by singing and sometimes fighting. 
So they're feisty little wait, birds. Wait, they defend their nests by singing. They their territories by singing. Yes. So <laughs> it's a, they're it's like a they're it's kind of like they're saying this is my area. So yeah. they're trying to keep other males out of their nesting. So area. it's like West Side Story. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Oh, I was, I was kind of a uh, um, Kevin Bacon Footloose. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. yeah, singing and dancing. Yeah, dance off. Singing and dancing. Yeah. Dance off. Yeah. <laughs> this is a sing off. Yeah. Hopping around. That's right. So for the nest, the female does most of the nest building with some help from the male. So it's on the horizontal branch of a tree or shrub, usually five to twenty-five feet above the ground. And it also nests on ledges of houses, barns, and bridges. And the nest is a cup of grasses, twigs, and debris worked into a solid foundation of mud and lined with fine grasses and plant fibers. And I think this is a pretty common bird nest to find. It's the mud kind of twig bird nest that anytime I've seen one, I think it probably is very similar to this. And then if you want to consider putting up a nest box to attract a breeding pair, make sure you put it up well before the breeding season begins and attach a guard to keep the predators from raiding the eggs and the young. It must have to be a singing guard. (laughs) I don't know. To defend its territory. American robins are one of the first birds to lay eggs in the spring. And she can actually lay up to two or three different broods of eggs. It takes a lot for them to uh, survive. These are relatable birds between accidentally getting drunk, (laughs) singing to save their territory. (laughs) Now, the females lay between three and five eggs at a time, and the color is called robin's egg blue. You know, you always hear about robin's egg blue. Mm -hmm. It is kind of a pale blue-green color. We we always hear about it, just everywhere we go. Right. Robin's egg egg blue. blue. Like, so, you go to Walmart, the cashier's like, did you hear about Robin's Egg Blue? I know, that just happened to me, yeah, like, a couple of days ago. And that's how yeah. cashiers talk. Robin's Egg Blue? <laughs> <laughs> so, the color of the eggs does not depend on their diet. So, it's something that occurs within the female so that is just color. always that color. The baby robins learn to fly two weeks after they hatch. They're born practically naked. Like, they don't have a lot of feathers or fuzz or anything. And by two weeks, they're ready to fly. Both parents feed the young, although the female does it more, and the parents are very aggressive in the defense of their nest. So I thought that was interesting, too. So don't go near those nests. Yeah, I mean, you'll have a dance and sing off with them. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And we can't sing like they can sing. We'll we'll lose. Yeah. (laughs) Very embarrassing. Exactly. (laughs) So the last little thing is a fun extra. And then I'm going to play the song for you, the American... Oh, the fight off, the dance off song? <laughs> no, just a oh. that's, that's cheery, just, just, just a cheery Robinson. I'm not even here. How are you going to be able to tell that I'm dancing? <laughs> You'll have to make it loud. You'll have to clog. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be something. That would be. So American Robins are part of Native American folklore for several tribes. While legends vary, many Native tribes consider the American Robin a symbol of peace, safety, and nurturing. There are also legends that consider the robin either a guardian of fire or a thief of flames. And those stories explain the origins of the robin's orange-red breast. Now, I am going to pull up the American Robin song. (laughs) 
So there you go. Very cheery. They sound like they're in our room. They do. (laughs) So there you go. The American Robin, the red-breasted Robin, or as many people just call it a Robin, although there are a variety of them. So yeah. Uh, But I think when we say you hear Robin, Rock and Robin. Or Red Robin, yeah. You think of the American Red Robin. Yeah. Very fun. Thank you. That was a lot of fun to research. I, li- I love these little birds. I learned so much about them. And now when I see them, I'm like, oh, aren't you the cutest? Look at you. Now I know what kind of berry bushes I'm planting. in honeysuckleberry <laughs> bushes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that. And uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for two robins together. Like, if they're hopping around, they might be doing a fight dance. <laughs> that's right. That was- <laughs> Male robins. Yeah. 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 That's right. Very fun. Today I'm going to start a new summer series on beach party movies. Which is so funny. What a good good idea. This uh, podcast will drop right around Memorial Day. And that time of year people begin, if not earlier, to think about their vacations, uh, their time off, and often, for a lot of people anyways, going to the beach. And it made me think of old beach party movies from the 1950s and 60s that were really popular. Were a surfing culture... And popularity um, started in California and spread. So the beach party movie typically is under the genre of comedies, although it's got uh, a lot of other aspects to it. It's got a group of teenage or college-age characters as the heroes. It's got non-parental adult characters as villains or comic relief. (laughs) Pretty simple and silly storylines in general. Uh, Teen trends and interests such as dancing, surfing, dry racing, music, sometimes irresponsible drinking, (laughs) Uh, simple romantic arcs, original songs, teen-oriented musical acts, so often groups of teens singing, and a tongue-in-cheek attitude toward the target audience. So this became very popular in the late 50s, beginning with the movie Gidget. So Gidget was actually the first Beach Party movie. Uh, I actually rented it on Amazon Prime of this weekend so I could watch it again. It's a sweet film. It actually has a moral. Now we'll see as we go through this series that not all Beach Party movies <laughs> have any moral associated with them. They're just silly movies completely. It does have some undertones of more adult themes um, related to war. And I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but there's lots of fun and sun uh, as we go through it. So... It was released in 1959, and I wondered how it was received, because it definitely is um, a little bit of a teen attitude towards um, parents, you know, not listening or obeying, kind of manipulating parents to some extent, Uh, but it generally was received pretty positively by most groups. So, uh, now, Gidget was probably um, the least offensive of all of them for the time. Um, so it actually ended up being a good way to start and was actually based on a, an actual person, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But first, I want to go through the plot in case you haven't seen, or it's been a long time since you've seen, Gidget. Francine Lawrence is about to turn 17 and is on her summer break between her junior and senior years of high school. Now, her friends that summer are very focused on boys and wanting to have a boyfriend going into their senior year. And Francine laments the days when the girls could just go out and have fun together and not think about boys. Francine also, at the same time, and this becomes important later, rejects her parents' wish for her to um, hang out with a son of a friend of the family named Jeffrey Matthews. So she keeps saying, no, Mom and Dad, I don't want to hang out with some boy you want to set me up with, kind of thing. 
in the beginning of the movie, she goes out on to a jaunt up to the beach with her more mature friends. And Francine meets a bunch of the surfers, but one of them is a boy named Moondoggy. <laughs> so Moondoggy Doggy's the one she becomes infatuated with, but she's really still not that interested in boys, and he doesn't show any romantic interest in her, mostly because uh, the boys are a little bit older. I'd say they're probably college age, it seems like, and the girls are late high school age, right? So the boys see them as, like, younger. Like, they don't see them. Like little so, sisters kind of thing. Yeah, even though the girls are trying to get their attention in a more boyfriend-girlfriend way. She becomes very interested, though, in what the boys are doing, which is surfing, all right? And she ends up getting caught in some seaweed. It seems like this ridiculous plotline. And Moondoggy has to rescue her. He rescues her on the surfboard and brings her back in via a wave. And that's kind of how she got her first surfing experience was when she was rescued. And she really liked surfing. So um, she finds out she can get a pretty cheap used surfboard for $25. So she goes home and begs her mom and dad to let her uh, have the $25 to pay for the surfboard as an early birthday present. Um, they agree, mostly because it seems like it's a better thing for her to do than chase boys. She goes to where the guys hang out and shows them the money, which they're super excited about. There's this whole thing about them having food to eat for the first time in a while uh, with the $25. They Typical college go, students. They <laughs> buy um, hot dogs and things like that. Um, so she's buying it from the boys? Well, the boys all kind of go together. So when she brings the $25... For the surfboard, it's from this group of boys who have surfboards, and then they go off. So it's a little vague about the business aspect okay. of it. There's some sort of business that they run um, with surfboards there. Okay, gotcha. It's a kind of a, a startup or like a, just a random thing that they put on the beach. Not a lot of rules back then. <laughs> The, um, the gang there kind of make fun of her for wanting to go surfing. She's short. She's like 4'9", all right? So she's, um, she gets the name Gidget, which the guys think is hilarious because Gidget is a combination of the word girl and midget. So obviously not politically okay. correct not back then. Not politically correct at <laughs> all. Right. right, but they think it's hilarious. So she, Gidget is the name. So I always thought that was such a cute name. I didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Right. So she starts to hang out with an all-male surfer group. It's just a group of guys that like to um, surf. And the leader of the group is a much older guy who goes by the name Kahuna. Okay. All right? So the big Kahuna. The big Kahuna is actually, in real life, a Korean War Air Force veteran, twice the age of Francine, so in his early 30s. But he's been fed up with the rules he had to live by when he flew combat missions. And so he dropped out of normal society and basically became a beach bum. So he travels the world surfing with his pet bird. Moondoggy, who's the guy that... What kind of, what kind of bird is it? It's like, a, it's like a black... It's almost like a raven call. I'd say it's a black bird of some sort. Oh, I was thinking it was a parakeet or something. I know. You think like, yeah, like <laughs> some kind of parody one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a cockatoo. No, it's a black bird. But he loves, loves the little black bird. Uh, Moondoggy... Uh, admires Kahuna and wants to be like him and emulate him by joining Kahuna the next time he leaves. And Kahuna plans to go to Peru. So they keep talking about going to Peru at the summer's end. The reason Moondoggy wants to do that is he doesn't feel like he can live up to being like his dad. His dad was a self-made man, became very wealthy through that process, and it's hard to kind of live up to. So he wants to kind of be his own man by going off and doing this thing uh, with Kahuna. So Kahuna and Gidget 
uh, get to know each other, kind of like a older brother, younger sister kind of uh, relationship. And Gidge is one of the few people that can engage Kahuna kind of on bigger life questions. So she begins questioning him about how can he survive with no purpose? Like he's you know, doesn't it lonely, doesn't have a job, he doesn't have any goals, anything like that. Well, that's and, interesting. And she questions whether if Kahuna knew then what he knew now, would he still make the same lifestyle choices after leaving the Air Force? And then Kahuna, you can kind of see Kahuna reflecting uh, later on those words when, unfortunately, his pet bird dies. So that kind of is an impetus for him to think bigger. The movie goes on, her trying to get Moondoggy's attention, Moondoggy not really caring. She finally comes up with this big plan. There's a luau beach party at the end of the movie. And she decides that's where she's going to make her move by um, going there with another guy. To make Moondoggy jealous. Classic. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately for her, the other guy, and Moondoggy doesn't know, uh, and the other guy doesn't know who she wants to make jealous. So the other guy can't make it on time. So he gets Moondoggy to play the part of the guy who's going to be the guy that she's going to make jealous, Moondoggy jealous with. Right? So so the guy, the guy she tried to get couldn't come. Okay. So he asked Moondoggy to take his role. But is it, isn't she going to know it's Moondoggy? Well, she's going to know. And she, in fact, gets very uh, flummoxed when right. he shows up to be the person who's going to go to the party to make somebody else jealous. <laughs> All right. So then she's like, oh, crap. What am I going to do? Yeah. Right? How, how okay. is this going to work? So she decides to uh, say that it's Kahuna that she's interested in, not him. Okay. And she's trying to make him, and she kind of does, make him act like a boyfriend. To get Kahuna jealous, but she's just enjoying hanging out and um, like holding hands with him, like mostly just sweet little things. Eventually, Moo Doggy says something, and you can tell that he is interested in her, kind of in this last part. Whereas before, you couldn't really tell. You could tell that he is jealous of whoever she was interested in. When she says it's Kahuna, then he's like, "You got to be kidding! He's twice your age, you know." And uh, the more she talks about him, the more jealous he gets. They kind of have some words. Um, that makes Gidget really angry, and she decides to leave the party. She runs into Kahuna, who happens to also be leaving the party, and he's staying at a friend's house. So he's like, can you give me a ride to my friend's house? She's like, yes. But now she wants to make Moondoggy jealous with Kahuna, so she says, can I come in to the house? Well, Moondoggy finds out, hears about it through whoever was there, that that's happening. So he assumes the worst and goes after them, basically, and in her car. But Gidget decides to, well, I'm with Kahuna. Maybe I should try to make Kahuna like me. So she kind of goes down that path. And Kahuna realizes, like, okay, now this is not a good idea. So he kicks her out. Right when Moondoggy shows up. The police show up. There's, like, this little fight between Moondoggy and Kahuna because of the misunderstanding. She can't start her car, so she's walking down the road. The police come, pick her up. They all kind of end up at the police station together. And she gets home. The, the police are admonishing the parents of, like, you need to get better control of your kid. Um, that kind of thing, right? So, And the dad's like, I will. Believe me. Right? <laughs> just like, crap. <laughs> right, right. So um, they have a talk. And um, she Gidget basically feels like, you know, she, she was a failure. The summer was a waste. You know, which she, she didn't even want to do this. Like, it was her friends encouraging her to find a guy, right? So this is kind of funny that... Um, at one point, she's talking to her mom about, you know, being a, 
being a woman and you know, what it means to be a woman. And her mom reminds her to go read the needlepoint sampler from her grandmother. So sampler in those times was just like a small uh, piece of needlepoint uh, writing, like a phrase on it. And she reads it out loud and it says, to be a real woman is to bring out the best in a man. That was the phrase. So in the end, Mr. Lawrence, Gidget's dad, finally does arrange the date for Gidget with Jeffrey Matthews, a proper young man, that Francine grudgingly accepts. But to her surprise, guess who Jeffrey Matthews is? Moondoggy. Moondoggy. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so she's, not, she's still not happy with him about the whole thing. But um, he convinces her that, well, it's better than, you know, nothing, basically. <laughs> and, um, and he does like her, right? So they go down the beach uh, that they had been at because he said he wanted to say goodbye one more, one more time. Because he basically is going to college. They're going to be away from each other during the school year. So as they go down the beach, they find Kahuna there tearing down his beach shack. Basically saying, oh, I'm done. I'm going to go off into the world. But they find that he actually, through this thing he dropped had taken a job as a pilot. So he had kind of rethought through his goals in life and, and decided to um, actually get a job. So Moondoggy and Gidget realize how they feel about each other. And as an act of romantic devotion, Moondoggy asks Gidget to wear his class pin. And Kahuna cheerfully warns Moondoggy that Gidget is quite a woman <laughs> <laughs> on the way out. And they, they have a little kiss and then they walk on the on the beach. So... It is, in general, a sweet movie. Sandra D plays uh, Gidget, James Darren plays Moondoggy, and Cliff Robertson plays the Big Kahuna. They're the three main roles. So let me let me ask you this: Do you know if this is the movie that brought the, uh, I guess, term like the the nickname Big Kahuna into popular media? Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't I don't know for sure, uh, but that's certainly possible. Within 10 years of the film release, right, this became a very popular film with the teen culture. Two sequels, a television series, and a telemovie were produced. Wow. Yeah, so it was pretty popular, and it spawned a lot of um, things along the way. A little bit of the story behind the movie. Like I said, Gidget is based on a real person. And this person's name uh, is Kathy Koner Zuckerman, the daughter of a uh, Czechoslovakian Jew who fled Europe during the rise of Nazism. Um, she's a real person. So when she was young, and she's actually had a um, biography about her put out, where some of this uh, information I'm going to share with you comes from. So she lived in Brentwood, California as a kid, and she said she had a very secular upbringing, even though she was Jew. She said, uh, my parents spoke German at home and used to call me Kutzi for kitten or cat. We had a Christmas tree and Easter egg hunts. I don't really know why. I suppose their gang of emigrees wanted to blend in here and feel like everyone helps. Her father was a screenwriter, and he actually had an Academy Award nomination for the 1938 film Mad About Music. And in 1954, he relocated the family to Berlin, where he was originally from the general area, to work on a movie. Zuckerman was 13 at the time. When she came back in 1955, Zuckerman returned to Los Angeles feeling worldly. Like, so she kind of felt like she knew a lot more about the world. And she found that she couldn't relate to her peers. So her mother recommended she go to the beach on Saturdays. 
It was at one of those outings that an acquaintance took her out for her first ride on a surfboard. And she used to keep a diary kind of of her time there. And in June of 1956, it says, they called me Gidget. I feel like, ha, I got a name. I'm one of them, right? So as a teenager, she would come home in the evenings and share her stories about the surfers and the guys that she hung out with, uh, with her dad. One day in Malibu, she said, a surfer named Terry Tubestake Tracy shouted, see you around, Gidget. And that's where the name Gidget for her came from. Uh, initially, Koner Gidget traded peanut butter sandwiches she made in her parents' kitchen for the use of surfboards lying around Tracy's beach shack. Malibu's favorite mascot, Gidget, soon became an accomplished and well-respected surfer, and she was one of the few girls riding waves at the time and kept all of her adventures in this diary. The real-life Gidget surfed with legends of the surfing world, none of which names I know other than Mickey Munoz, and based on the writings in her diary and on uh, the story she told, her dad decided that he wanted to write a book. And so he wrote a book called Gidget, The Little Girl with Big Ideas in Six Weeks. The book published and it ended up selling over half a million copies. Two weeks after its release, Columbia Pictures bought the rights for a movie for $50,000 to him and to Kathy. And then it became a movie in 19. 19- Wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So the movie itself was shot in Leo Carrillo State Park in Southern California. And uh, an interesting fact when I was talking about the surfers that the real Gidget surfed with, one of them, Mickey Munoz, doubled for Sandra D in the surfing parts. And he would wear a blonde wig and bikini in the waves for the cameras, (laughs) (laughs) which is funny. And I read this before I watched the movie, so I was watching to see, like, where he was. And a couple times, he had to hold another guy's hand, but he didn't want to, you could tell, so he kind of, like, flicked it away. It was kind of funny to watch. That is funny. And the original Gidget, this movie, is responsible for bringing surfing into popular culture and inspiring generations of female surfers. It sparked new businesses and brands and boosted sales of hundreds of companies who used the universe of Gidget to promote themselves on television, radio, and print. Wow, it's quite a uh, an adventure she had, and then it spawned off into a lot of other things. Yeah. So it, recently, in 2014, the real Gidget, Kathy Zuckerman, said, I'm proud of what my dad did, and I carried the legacy on. Surfing means to me no cell phones, just longboards, freedom, paddling. It clears the mind. And her story, The Life of Kathy Koner, not Koner Zuckerman, is documented in Accidental Icon, The Real Gidget Story. Neat. Well, that's fun. So, I think I want to go watch Gidget. Well, we have it for a few more hours on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, better get moving. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's a very uh, interesting topic. I think a lot of people think of spring as kind of maybe a cooler extension of summer, but there's actually a lot of different opinions on if spring or autumn are colder. So, I'm interested to hear what you guys think, your experience over the years. That's a hard one because here in Virginia, it takes so long for the cool weather to get here. But fall continues through mid-December. Um, so right. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say fall. Fall is colder. Um, that's what I'm gonna say. What do you guys think? What's your thoughts? It's spring or autumn. I think it's fall as well, and I don't know if that's just mentally going into winter. 
But as I think about the official dates of spring and the official dates of fall, uh, the end of March through June is spring, and and then it's the end of September through December. So like, you know, almost towards the end of the month for each of those. So I think it might be spring that's cold. If I think about those months, a lot of the research that I di- that I've done considers. Early March, the beginning of spring. Okay. So yeah. what would you say? What would your guess, what would your guess my, be? My guess was the fall, but I think the spring might actually be cooler. So I'm going to go with spring. Okay. So I say fall. Dad says spring. Sydney, what's your guess? I literally have never heard of this argument, so I have no opinion about it. <laughs> you can't I feel like... Fly. No, I feel like... It's an argument. It's more like in your experience, what do you think is... Well, I just I would need a lot more information. For me, it just I I feel like it should be fall. Like in my right. gut, it just you think of all like the fall pictures and paintings and yeah. and and Hallmark movies and just all that. It should be feeling like like Canadian fall, or I guess, or whatever yeah. here. But it doesn't. So right. yeah, I I don't know. It just I'm always disappointed in October, September, October. And even early November. In Virginia? Yeah. 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 So yeah. what is it? And it's an interesting case because it does vary based on where you are in the country. But we're kind of on the, uh, I guess you'd say the middle of the East Coast. We kind of get the average of both sides. But on average, spring is colder than autumn. That's what I'm thinking, too. I think mentally, I think it should be fall. Right. That it should be fall, but it's. But I think Sydney raises the good point that I'm often disappointed yeah. that it doesn't get cold enough, fast enough, right during the fall, and during the spring I'm often disappointed that it doesn't get warm enough, fast enough, right, right. So in the northern part of the East Coast, like we grew up, Randy and I grew up in Pennsylvania, and it seemed like it was colder in the fall, a lot faster. Yeah, you just have to also average in um, the spring. Also, the, is going to be cool. the climate change, where the temperatures in general are warmer right. now than they were right. when we were kids. And a lot of it, at least in the the U.S., is determined kind of. A lot of it has to do with how close you are to the coast. So water warms and cools slower than land. So the heat and cool lingers. So there's a lag. So if you think about it. In the summer, when temperatures are warmer, if you're close to the coast, um, they're going to stay warmer longer than the land temperature does. So they're going to kind of keep everything warm for a little longer. So as you're coming out of summer and into fall, you're going to have that lag. And vice versa, when you are coming out of winter and into spring, again, you're going to get that same lag, but on the cold side. Right, if you're by like a, an ocean or a large lake, like a large right. lake, right? Which um, we are because we live in Virginia. Oh, I see. So it's not like like I'm not on like, the coast, but right. you're saying no, in general it's not nearer like you're the coast. On the coast. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like from a large uh, weather pattern perspective. Exactly. Gotcha. Because I was thinking we don't really live near water like that, but if you're thinking of you know, like you see the weather maps. On um, the weatherman screen, like you, they're they're way out, right? They show right. like all the East Coast or all right. the United States, so it's more on that kind of scale, hmm. right? Hmm. Right. And if you think about it, autumn tends to be more stable. It tends to have um, 
more sunny days and days where if it does rain, it either is kind of a drizzle that goes on for a while or it rains for a day. Whereas in spring, you usually have heavy rain showers or thunderstorms um, and kind of weather, weather patterns that stick around for longer, particularly rain will cool down. It will keep the temperature cool for much longer than kind of the shortened uh, little spats of rain that you get in autumn. The beginning of spring isn't really always determined by fixed calendar dates. Now, it, it could be, depending on what you consider the beginning of spring, but kind of the, uh, the ecological definition of spring relates to the biological indicators like the blossoming of, of a range of plant species, activities of animals, or kind of the, the scent or condensation of soil. So these indicators uh, to determine the beginning of spring really vary according to the local climate and according to the specific weather of any given year, which makes it a little difficult to, to pin down exactly like, okay, when is the beginning of spring? But generally speaking, it doesn't seem right, does it? Right. It makes sense, but it seems like fall... When you think about fall, I think about sweaters and boots and scarves and <laughs> right farms right. and pumpkin right. patches. Like you're starting and, to bundle up a little more. Yeah. Right. Often when we've okay. gone for pumpkins, it's been a pretty warm day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but actually, um, what you're saying, Cole, makes sense because I was reminded that um, one time, like, I was just so hot. I had I made the mistake <laughs> of wearing long sleeves and long. Like, I had this really cute fall outfit on, and right. so did because every other... You yeah. want it to be, like, chilly. Right. And well, and so did every way. other female at that place. But yeah. I think we were all sweating, because yeah. it was still, like, maybe in the 70s yeah. or 80s. probably started out cool in the morning, but right. by yeah. the time, yeah. in the middle of the afternoon... Yeah. Again, I mean, very it's not. It wasn't Canadian fall. No. <laughs> it was not Canadian fall, right. No. Which no, is where all the homework... special, magical world, which is called Canada... That's right. And that's where all the Hallmark shows are filmed, or a lot of them. So that's yeah. why those people get to wear those cute outfits mm-hmm. earlier in the, in the fall. Yeah. 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 So I was thinking that moving forward in, you know, this part of spring and when fall comes around, I'm going to have to keep an eye out and see if it does start getting uh, maybe a little cooler than I expected in fall or staying a lot warmer in fall. And I'll think, oh, that's why. Yep. Yeah, so like you said, you were you were disappointed, you know, each spring and fall. Maybe it's a matter of resetting our expectations so right. we don't get disappointed. Or save your fall clothes for spring. Or we can just lament it not being what yeah. we want. <laughs> yeah. Or move north. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, because you think of, like, how the climate has already changed from the quarantine. It's just, I, I wonder yes. what the, the effect will be for the rest of the year. Just yeah. not having all that stuff in the air from the car for some period of time yeah, yeah. that's a good point yeah because it's certainly been a, a weird end of april may compared to more recent ones where it's yeah. been a lot more cold rainy um so yeah that would be interesting to see yeah well that's very fun we'll have to see how that progresses it through the year and we can still hope for cooler falls if we, we want can. to <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we can still dream yeah, that's right our future festivities are for may 25th May 25th is Memorial Day in the United States. May 26th is National Paper Airplane Day. May 27th is National Grape Popsicle Day. May 28th, National Hamburger Day. 
May 29th, put a pillow on your fridge day. May 30th, National Water a Flower Day. And May 31st, National Smile Day. As always, you can find us on social media. On Twitter, we are at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, we are at holiday moons. You can find us on our Facebook group and page by searching holiday moons in the search bar on Facebook. And you can contact us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Beth, Randy, and Cole, happy almost summer! Rock and Robin, 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 Rock and